The Black Doctors Podcast highlights the stories of minority professionals with the goal of inspiring others. Season 2 provides more episodes and features a wider variety of professions. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with others, because the next generation can't be what they don't see. Tune in every Monday to hear our stories told by us. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Black Doctors Podcast. Today we have uh, Lieutenant Junior Grade Paige Monk. She's a United States Naval officer and pilot. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Awesome. So, uh, Lieutenant Monk, you want to tell us a little bit about your job and, and what your role is in the United States Navy? Yeah, so I am a student naval aviator right now. I am in flight school to be a helicopter pilot. I should be finishing probably in the next month and a half, two months. Um, that's like weather dependent, aircraft availability dependence, um, all that. But I have school pretty much five to six days a week. Um, it's a mixture between ground school and a classroom, simulator training with like retired pilots, and then actual flights in the helicopter. We fly the TH-57. Uh, right now I'm in the Charlie variant. There's like a Bravo and a Charlie. And yeah, that's what I, that's my role in the Navy. So when I finish, I'll either select uh, 60 Sierras, 60 Romeos, or 53s, and then I'll like have my official job in the Navy. Perfect. And the, the 60s are, those are uh, the Seahawks? Yes. Right? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, Sierra, yeah, MH60 Seahawks. Perfect. And you're the first like real Navy person that I've had on this show. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, okay. How does the, the rank structure work? So you're a lieutenant junior grade. Um, how long have you been at this rank? And, and what was your promotion through the ranks like? Yeah, so I commissioned in May of 2018. And I commissioned as an ensign. Your first three promotions in the military are, especially specifically as an officer, are pretty much just time dependent. Uh, so that's ensign, lieutenant, junior grade, and lieutenant. So pretty much uh, in the next two years, I'll become a lieutenant, and that just automatically happens. And after that, they become like meritorious. So based on like how you perform, how your peers rank you, how your superior officers rank you, and that again. It, there's really no time stamp for when you could get those promotions. Cool. So you've been in for just over two years now? Yes. Yes. Just over two years. Yeah. How did you uh, come to be and, and come to join the Navy? Yeah, I went to the Naval Academy. Uh, so I, and it's really funny. I had no one in my family's in the military. I had a cousin that went to West Point, but I was never really interested in his like West Point life. And when I was applying to schools, um, because he had such an amazing experience, he was like, just apply to one of the service academies. You don't have to go, but just like see if you get in. So every, I was very hesitant because I didn't really know much about the Navy and I didn't know if like this was a life I wanted. And my family pretty much was like, well, you can do your first two years. And if you don't like it, you can leave. You don't owe anything to the military. You can do something else. Um, you know, Really? That's at the Naval yes. Academy? Yeah, uh, all the service academies. So you don't sign your commitment until you are a junior. Um, it's huh. like your first day of junior year. It's called your two for seven. That's when you actually sign your commitment. So your first two years, like I had friends that, you know, it came to signing day and they were just like, I can't do it. And they left. Wow. Um, and it's it, it's common. Um, and it's, it's a pretty big deal. Like your company officers 
like who are your mentors, they like sit you down and they talk about like what it means. Like, you know, you're, you're actually signing and saying like, I'm committed to doing this. And I mean, I was committed after probably my first year. I had a blast at the Naval Academy. Like I loved school. I was in the gospel choir. Um, it wasn't the normal college experience, but like, I wouldn't do it differently. And I picked aviation the summer before my senior year. I got to go be with like a helicopter squadron and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Um, and I was like, you know, I have my whole life to go to medical school. I don't have my whole life to fly helicopters for the Navy, um, you know, to like fly off a ship and like do search yeah. and rescue. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So that's what I, um, that's what I service selected my senior year. And I owe, so it's, it's fine. I owe five years to the Navy from the Naval Academy. And then for going to flight school, I owe another three years on top of that. So mm-hmm. I owe a total of eight years, and but my commitment actually doesn't start until I finish flight school. So my clock will officially start um, in about a month and a half, two months. So even though I've been like at, I've been an officer for two years, um, I haven't started like giving back my commitment for school. Gotcha. Uh, so what was that application like coming from high school to the Naval Academy? Oh, it was, they put you through the ringer. So you have to like do a normal application, um, your essays, all that stuff. You have to get endorsements from like your STEM teachers. So my, I think it was my math teacher and like two of my science teachers. And then you can get like one other teacher to endorse you. Um, You have to get a nomination from either a congressman, a senator. If your parents are in the military, you can get a presidential nomination, but I Hmm. had to get a congressional one. And, and then you also have to have an interview with an alumni uh, so they call it like your blue and gold officer. So they're like, they could be an old one or a young one. They're just like in your area. And then you also, you don't have to, but you usually do a candidate visit weekend where you come to these, they come to school and you like get to see what it's like to be a freshman for a weekend. So it was all of that. So I think, but I mean, I found out relatively soon. I like probably finished my application and like September, October, and I knew I got in by December. Like I knew I got in there before I opened out other schools. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're pretty quick. <laughs> so then, uh, and then four years at the Naval Academy. So I know like the first summer is special or something like, like plebe summer yes. or mm-hmm. what, what is that exactly? So plebe summer, um, it's kind of like our indoctrination time to like, you know, leave your civilian life behind. So all the freshmen come about, is it? Is it eight weeks? They, I, I think it may be six weeks. They come before like the rest of the upperclassmen get there and they pick special juniors and seniors to train the freshmen. Um, so you do like, you do fitness every morning and you learn military knowledge, how to address like superior officers and what like your life is going to be like as a midshipman. We do like swim training. We do obstacle courses. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it awesome. was definitely really, really hard. It was, <laughs> we had to wake up so early. <laughs> Jeez. And then uh, and the Naval Academy, correct me if I'm wrong, it's completely free, right? You don't yes. pay anything yes. for it. Yeah, they, they joke that you literally could show up your first day naked and you'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Probably frowned upon, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah definitely frowned upon. But it, you really don't need to pack a bag. Like, anything I needed is there on that campus. Like, we have stores on that campus. We have restaurants on that campus. They give us our foods, our toothbrush, our clothes. Like, what? they give you everything. Yes. I still have stuff from that they issued me that I've never even opened in, like, boxes. Wow. 
And, and then during the summers, you like do special trips or something and, and other training yes. stuff? Yeah. So every summer you do like uh, a training, they show you. So your whole summer is divided into four blocks. You get one block to like go home and then the other blocks is some kind of like professional development. So it could be internships. It could be like going on a ship, going on a sub, training with the Marines, um, staying at school and like training the freshmen or going to summer school. So like your whole summer is like filled with professional development. I've had friends like uh, I went abroad. I had friends go abroad. Um, friends did internships at like amazing companies. Um, you also like I had a friend do an internship at the Pentagon. You know, we get these like hmm. really like awesome opportunities because we have like a security clearance and stuff like that. It was it was awesome. My summers were amazing. And, and you mentioned the gospel choir, but what sense of community being a, a black female at the Naval Academy? How was that aspect of uh, the culture? Yeah, so I, there there are a lot of groups you can join. I'm I'm from the Northeast, so like I'm used to kind of being like one of like three or four black people, you know, in in a class or in a room. And so when I went to the Naval Academy, I was like, "Hey, there's like twenty of us. <laughs> like this is great." Um, and I know that's not like, because, and then like Howard, you know, is like right, right. 30 minutes up the road. So I'm like, oh, this is, oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's like Michigan Black Studies Club. There's, um, there's a Nesby chapter at the Naval Academy, the gospel choir. Um, what else? There, there are like, there's a lot of different diversity groups. And I mean, we're all there for each other. Like when you see you, you're the upperclassmen know who the freshmen are, like the moment they get there and we tell mm -hmm. each other like, oh, there's like a black freshman in this company and like this person, this person, like look out for this person. Like we, we're like a family and we take care of each other. Um, I know like I had, I had upper class girls like come up to me and be like, hey, come on, like I need to show you like how we do our hair and like how we like accommodate this. And, you know, there really is like a network. There is, um, there's a diversity officer who's an 06, which is nice to see like a high ranking, oh, wow. like, yeah, and that she lives on the yard or or he or she, whoever it is at the time. But it's nice that they're on the yard and they're like a resource you can talk to. Um, actually, recently, uh, they've started a Black at USNA to talk about like their people's racial experiences. And it's been like pretty tough to read because that wasn't my experience at the academy. Yeah. But I know that, but I know that like it's a product of the way I the way I was raised in that, like, I'm used to be surrounded. I'm used to not being surrounded by people that look like me. Right. So um, I never felt as isolated as some of my counterparts did. Um, and like seeing that, which I, I recommend it's black at USNA is the Instagram. And it's, it's some really like hard stories that, but our chain of like the chain of command there is like dealing with it. And they're like, this is an awesome, like, this is a conversation that needs to be had. And, you know, we need to be better to each other. And, and the first way to do that is to like be cognizant of other people's experiences. So, yeah, it's good. And it's, I know with this current climate, um, the military has kind of been focusing more on diversity and, and having these discussions and chats. Yeah, it's, it's definitely important. I, I'm very, I'm honestly more aware of it in the aviation community now because it is a pretty white male community. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it's very far and few between are there people that look like me, especially women. And, but, but again, like we stick together when we find each other, we're so excited. Like when uh, Maddie just got her wings, we like were ecstatic. It was, 
You know, like we were a buzz about it long before the world knew, and we were so proud of her wow. and like and, happy for her. And she is the. I don't want to get it wrong. Tell tell us who she is. Uh, so Maddie Swagle, she is the first black female tactical jet pilot in the United States Navy. Um, she actually selected growlers, so she's moving to Whidbey to be a growler uh, jet pilot. Those really were the uh, was it EA six B Hornet. Yes, Sorry. electronic yeah. attack. Yep. Yeah, so fighter jets for the not initiated amongst my uh, listeners. Yeah. Um, no, that is that is incredible. Um, and was she from the Naval Academy as well? Yes, she was uh, one of my upperclassmen. She's one year older than me. That's so cool. And like the Naval Academy is such a community. Like people, I guess, don't realize as much on the outside, but you guys have your class rings and, and just a super close knit community. Yeah, it's it's such a blessing. Um, because I like right now, I'm not sure where I'm going to select for where I'm going to go. I could be going to Japan, Guam, San Diego, Jacksonville, Norfolk. Like I have a lot of options right now. Mm -hmm. And some of my friends that are here with me that like our ROTC, they're like, Oh, I know no one in Japan. And I like, I know that there's a community of like Naval Academy graduates that will take care of me no matter where I go. And it is like, we all know someone somewhere. It is like really comforting. So, so you graduated uh, from Naval Academy in 2018. Yes. And then where did you go after that? Um, because they can't, there's so many of us that select like a platform at the time. I think there's like 270 plus people that selected aviation. You get to stay at school. So I actually got to stay and work in Annapolis. <laughs> But it was like, I, I got to stay as an officer. So it was like a lot better. Um, I got to experience Annapolis with like, oh, one pay and like an apartment and mm-hmm. um, like actually be a part of the faculty and staff, which was cool. Um, so I stayed in Annapolis until September. And then I reported to Pensacola, Florida for um, API. I'm not sure what the, what the, what the like anagram stands, what it stands for. I can't remember. <laughs> a lot of um, acronyms in the military. A yeah, lot of acronyms. Yeah, a lot of acronyms. <laughs> Um, but it's like your first training to be a pilot. So you have to do your solo and you have to um, go through about six weeks of ground school and swimming and learn like basic aviation knowledge. And that, that took a long time. There was a long wait. I think I, I got down here in September and I didn't finish until May. Oh, wow. It's because it was, yeah, it was a lot of just waiting around because um, there's so many of us and it's so backed up. But, and but then, you're actually getting to fly in airplanes? Yes, yes, but that it's a civilian airplane at first. Um, they okay. don't, you don't get to fly a military plane until you've proven yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and then I reported to in May of 2019. I moved to Corpus Christi, Texas, for primary flight training. That's where we fly the T6B. Um, it's it's a real sporty aircraft, like 200 or 316 knot maximum. Um, really maneuverable. We do aerobatics, formation flying instrument flying, just contact flying. And that's about six months. And then I selected helicopters and now I'm back in, I'm not in Pensacola. I'm about 45 minutes North in Milton mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm doing helicopter advance now and uh, advance is about six months. So. Okay. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. And then what kind of roles do you helicopter pilots fulfill in the Navy? So if I select Romeos, uh, so there's MH60, Sierras, and Romeos. If I select Romeos, you are a sub hunter, and that is their primary mission. They have 
a lot of equipment on their aircraft to hunt subs. And then Sierra pilots, they are kind of the jack of all trades of the helicopter community. They do search mm-hmm. and rescue, um, logistics. They do vert rep. Uh, sorry, I'm trying not to speak in acronyms. Ver- <laughs> vertical um, rep. Uh, so they bring gear and food to the ships. Um, what else do they do? And they do train to do missions with SEALs, like special warfare. Mm-hmm. And then 53s. They do mine countermeasures. They're like mine sweepers. And, which and the fifty threes really cool. are like those are the sea stallion type yes. of helicopter that the president flies in. The Marine ones, right? Yes, but uh, the Marines have a different mission set in the fifty threes than like the navies do. Okay. Yeah. So you could probably tell by uh, by questions. I'm in the navy, but there's like. There's like the real Navy, and then there's the medical. Oh yeah, corps. you're a Navy, you're a Navy doctor. I yeah. know all about you. <laughs> yeah, tell, so tell what is that like? Because a lot of my listeners, I mean, we're all like kind of healthcare folks, and some people may be considering military medical scholarships. But then I want people to know about careers in the military as well. But what is that perception between the real Navy and the staff corps, or the or the medical oh, Navy? We joke, but we respect you guys so much, especially because. A lot of, at least for me, we have flight doctors who are doctors that have gone through medical school and they decided that they wanted to do, I'm not sure what the verbiage is, um, but I, it's when they come, they decide to like not be in a hospital and like come and be with us. So like they do flight training, like our, our flight docs come in the helicopter with us. They have to learn like what, they have to learn how they can best help us by doing what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I respect my flight doc as much as I f- respect my instructors. Um, it's the same when they go out with the Marines and the slows and everything. So I, at least me personally, I have the utmost respect for the staff corps, especially because I had friends that left, you know, we graduated from the Naval Academy and they went to medical school and especially those at USIS, which is the military medical school. Mm-hmm. Like, they're thrown into it just like we are. And they're like expected to like figure out how to be a doctor. on <laughs> And we have, we have military attorneys, our JAGs. Um, they're there. We actually, we take military law at the Naval Academy and I got to learn like really what JAGs do. And that was, that was so cool. Um, and they actually, they do a program where we got to go to Italy and like partake in a military law competition. Oh, that wow. was a lot of fun. So yeah, I, we joke that the staff corps aren't really in the military, except I think the, the boot camp that you guys do is kind of a joke. Apparently, yeah, that's yeah, what I it was. <laughs> it was great, uh, officer development school. So it's like boot camp. It wasn't even boot camp light. Like I finished residency, and then I joined the, the Navy. So I was like thirty when I went to ODS, and we just hung out for like five weeks. Yeah. And don't you have like your cell phones there? It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, we weren't supposed to have them out for like the first week or something like that. <laughs> But I was like, I don't know, That's I was 31. Funny. I was like, yeah, okay, this is... This yeah. Cool. Which is exactly, it's like, what are you going to tell a 31-year-old? Like, you know, you can't manipulate a 31-year-old the way you can manipulate an 18-year-old. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you, you'll like this. So one of my coworkers, he's a senior 04, but we never wear uniforms, rarely ever. So it was the first time I saw this guy in Type 3s, which is a Navy um, like camouflage uniform. And he's sitting in his office. And I'm like, dude, you got to turn your, your rank the right side up. Oh, he's like, no. he's like, wait, what? He's like, no way. And and his rank was definitely upside down on his uniform. That's um, so funny. That's... So it's, yeah, it's irony. I've been in the Navy for two years now and 
I guess I'm salty enough to tell somebody how to wear their uniform correctly. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, yeah, I'm not surprising at all. I mean, we, we uh, as pilots, we're constantly in our flight suit. And sometimes I'll have like my, and I've had to wear like pretty much every uniform the Navy has to offer because I was at the Naval Academy mm. and I'll see some of my friends like put whites on and I'm like, what are you doing? Fix yourself. Because <laughs> 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 we're constantly in our flight suits. We're in a we're in like pajamas all day. <laughs> yeah. And then, so you talked about the community back at the Naval Academy, but now as a female officer in the aviation community, what's that um, like for you? It's, it's, it's so much fun. I like, I, being an aviator is so cool. It's really hard. It, I study constantly. And I think this is the biggest thing that my friends in other communities that are like service warfare officers or submariners, you know, they come home and they leave work at at work. And like being an aviator, it does not work like that. Like, You'll go into any student aviator's house and there are books everywhere. There's like a printout of a cockpit, like in their bedroom. And, you know, someone's like, we're working through EPs, like it doesn't stop, but it's such a good, like the work play payoff is amazing. And we're all really, really close. And we have to like rely on each other. Cause, and I mean, they tell us you cannot do flight school by yourself. It doesn't matter how smart you are, how like adapted you become, like you need the people around you to be successful. And I'm constantly over someone's house. I'm at my friend's house right now. Like, and we're going to probably like study a little bit later and then like maybe go to the beach. And there are people that I went to school with that I'm now, there are people that I'm in flight school with that I was in school with. And we are a thousand times closer as like students in flight school than we ever were at the Academy. Um, And yeah, I, I know I've made like friends forever, like just in flight school because we have no choice but to be so close. And our instructors, they know what it's like. And so they're really understanding, especially now that I'm in advance primary, they're a little harder on you because, you know, they want to make sure that you can pass and get through it. But now, like, they are, like, pushing us to the finish line. They're like, no, you have to finish. Yeah. You invested way too much. So now, you know, in the next couple of months, you'll finish your flight school. Then you'll be looking at your or looking at starting your eight-year service commitment is that about right yes yes um i know it's far down the road but at the end of that eight years you know what kind of directions can your career go in so i can become a flight instructor like the ones i have now i can become a department head and be like in charge of a squadron um out in the fleet if and this is if i want to continue aviation i don't know if i will at this point in my life I want to, I'm having fun now, but I don't know, especially if I want to like have children or like where I am in my life, it, it's hard to do those things and be a successful aviator. Um, because every, when you're, when you're pregnant or like you're down, like you can't fly. And when you're not flying, you're losing qualifications, you know, people are advancing. So it's hard. Um, people do it when plenty of women do it, but I don't know like what my life will look like then. Mm-hmm. So um, I like, I honestly take it day by day. I didn't even know I wanted helicopters. Like I, I put helicopter second. I wanted to fly the P eight, um, which is like the military seven thirty seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that I'm in helicopters, like I couldn't imagine flying anything else. So who knows? Like maybe I'll 
you know, love being like in in the 60, like, and I won't want to do anything else. So I, I really don't know. I am a person that like takes it day by day. Maybe I'll want to go back to medical. Maybe I want to go to medical school. Yeah. Cause I still think about that sometimes. So we'll see. That's cool. Yeah. I have a couple partners. I'm at the Naval hospital in Pensacola. Sorry. I'm at the Naval hospital in Portsmouth. And okay. one of my partners is a 60 pilot formerly. And then one of my partners was a former, um, Hornet pilot. Um, oh, wow. I think she was a Naval Academy grad as well. So definitely some impressive uh, folks in the military that go back through medical school and, and turn out really, really great. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope so. And I mean, I have my family always says, I mean, you're at eight years. You might as well just go to 10 and then you'll be at 10. You might as well go to 20. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. That time adds up quick. Yeah, it does. But it goes by fast. I can't believe I graduated two and a half years ago. Yeah. Yeah, time flies. What would you tell people that are, uh, tell students in high school that are considering possibly going to the service academies? What would you counsel them? What would I counsel them? I I definitely think visit. And I I think my friends and I, we talk about it now, my other like friends that are graduates, we didn't understand the commitment you're making. You know, you're making a commitment when you're 20. And specifically for me, like I, you know, signed my two for sevens at 20, not knowing that, you know, I'm probably going to be in the military for a commitment that I'm going to do when I'm 32, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, it's, it's serious. Like, and, and I, I think people don't understand that. I, like, I think some of my friends didn't understand that and you grow to understand it. Um, but talk to people, talk to anyone you can ask questions. You know, I went to the, I was like at the Naval Academy and I, I didn't know like what a chief was. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, especially because I didn't have anyone in the military in my family. So I, like, I wish I had had more resources and did more, um, didn't just ask more questions, look at, look for people to talk to, because I think like there's an, there's a projection of what the Naval Academy is. And then there's like, what's actually going on there. And I wish that I had more people to talk to. Yeah. And, and along those lines, and that's in part why I started this podcast is I just want to give that exposure in different fields and with social media, it's so easy now to reach out and talk to yeah. a, a Navy aviator that looks like you or a physician or a pharmacist. And I think bridging that gap can really help at least answer questions. Yeah, for sure. And I like if whenever anyone wants to talk about the academy or being an aviator, like I'm always more than willing to talk because like I want I was so lucky to have those people to talk to um, but I didn't have that when I was like 18. So yeah, if any of your listeners ever want to reach out, they for sure can like look me up on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And then, uh, I mean, cause the military as a whole is looking to expand and become a more diverse, uh, fighting force. Um, have you seen, or are you aware of any kind of diversity initiatives and how that's starting to play out in the service? Not, not that I've seen. Um, I honestly am kind of so tuned out to the world and like in my little flight school bubble, I need to do better. But um, I definitely like I see even my my superior officers like wanting to have conversations about race, like things that I never thought that they would want to talk about. You know, they, they try and like ignore it, like the whole colorblind mm-hmm. mentality. <laughs> um, I'm glad that we've moved beyond that. Um, but I and I appreciate that they want to ask me questions and you know, they have, they make it a point to like have women in the forefront. Um, and to be like, if you want to talk about stuff, you can, uh, 
like, you know, this isn't a half, this isn't like, we don't live in the age of like, don't ask, don't tell anymore. You know, we're allowed to like talk about things. So I do appreciate that. You can kind of, we can be ourselves more so now than, than we could have been. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's so incredible. Especially, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say just, especially I think now the military is realizing that, you know, people, like these we're we're human beings, you know, like we can't always just leave our personal life at home. That's it's not realistic, you mm-hmm. know. So and that they even said when, you know, a lot of like the riots started and the protests and everything going on in the world, they were like, if you guys can't feel like you can't fly, like that's okay. Like t- let's oh, wow. talk about it. Um, if you want like a day off, like if you just feel like overwhelmed, like that's okay. And you know, I appreciated that. Because I thought, I was like, there's no way they would ever, like, care that, you know, we're being, like, this affects us, like, seeing black men, you know, killed, black men and women, excuse me, being killed. It affects me. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes, like, I'm not good to go. I'm like, and I don't want to fly. And they're, yeah. like, they understand, you know. That's incredible. Well, I mean, I know just being able to look on social media and see naval officers that look like you, they look like your your colleague who's the fighter pilot is going to do amazing things for increasing diversity and just showing black and brown kids what they can become. Yeah, for sure. For sure. There's a, there's amazing opportunities in the military that I've gotten to take advantage of that I had no clue about, um, specifically as an officer. And I really like, I want to see the officer community become more diverse and start looking like our enlisted community. Um, because you know, you, you, you walk in and you see like, 10 white officers right. and then you see like a hundred black and brown enlisted behind them, you know? So, yeah. So, so the enlisted, you know, typically they, they come out of high school and then they enlist directly into the service and they have a uh, rank structures like officers, but they're usually kind of the lower ranks. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, that that's definitely something that's been heavy for me to see because, you know, we're very well represented in the enlisted ranks, but not so much in the officer ranks. Yes. Absolutely. And we talk about it all the time, especially like at the Naval Academy. It's like, you know, you guys are going to go out into the fleet and like your enlisted aren't going to look like you. And like you need to understand how to be there for them and appeal to them and like how you can be a leader for them. And I like my friends that are service warfare officers and, and Marines that are black. They're like, you know, I know that they look at me and like they're so excited to see me on the ship every day. And like, they feel they're like, okay, like at least like my boss, you know, they're black and like they see me. Um, yeah. So, That's and awesome. I, I mean, I, I don't have any enlisted yet because most of the people that work on our aircraft are civilians, but I, I have friends tell me that, you know, like they get out the plane and like for the enlisted to see like a black pilot walking out of the plane, that means a lot to them. It really yeah. does. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Lieutenant J.G. Monk, thank you so much for joining us on the show. I know our listeners are going to really enjoy hearing from you and your perspective. Thank you. No, I, I appreciate it. This is awesome. The Black Doctors Podcast is a nonprofit volunteer passion project with the goal of inspiring all who listen. Tune in next week for another episode of the Black Doctors Podcast with Dr. Stephen Bradley, your friendly neighborhood anesthesiologist.